Millennial Way, a podcast made for the on-the-go millennial, giving you tips and advice on how to up-level your career, teaching you the things they don't teach you in school. When they ask why, just tell them it's the Millennial Way. Here's your host, Chase Coleman. Y'all, welcome back to another episode of The Millennial Way. Today, it's a great day. It's beautiful and sunny in Seattle, finally. I mean, it's about damn time we got some sun out here. It's been freezing cold. We had what I like to call snowmageddon. It was pretty dang awful. And I'm just happy that the sun's back out. I I can't explain that to you guys. Now, I got a glass of red Pinot next to me today from... Provence, France. And every time I look at this bottle, I feel like I need to say Provence in some French accent. But I'm not good with accents, so I'm not even going to try too hard. But I had a buddy one time who didn't even believe that there was such thing as a red Pinot. And quite frankly, I didn't either until I went to a restaurant and was like, yeah, let me get this. uh, Oh, that one looks familiar. Yeah, I'll try the Pinot. And then they came out and it was a red wine. And I was like, oh, uh, I'll take that. And man, I've fallen in love ever since. This is smooth, very, very light wine. And guys, if you guys ever see this in a restaurant, I guarantee it's probably on the cheap end what they got in the restaurant. Try it. It it won't disappoint you. So before I even get started on this interview today, because we have another amazing guest today, Simone McGee. This is, that's my girl from college. I mean, like we go way back. She used to always keep me in check, but I was a little fired up today because at work today we were talking about baseball and athletes and who are the better athletes. And I could really use your guys' help on this one because somebody at work was adamant today, adamant that baseball players are the most skillful and athletic. And I'll tell you guys this, I believe that they are the most skillful. I I can't hit a 90-something mile an hour fastball or curveball or see it coming out of somebody's hand or whatever and all the oobsy, spinny things. But... My point being is that I don't. I, I think personally that basketball players are the best athletes. You got to play offense and defense. You got to be able to dribble and shoot. You got to be able to play defense. I mean, you got to. There's so many different things that come into basketball that I truly think that basketball athletes are the most athletic, or I wouldn't even say the most athletic. They're the ones who can play multiple sports at one time. I mean, my boy Dejan, who passed not too long ago, he was the best all-around athlete, and he was a pure basketball player. I mean, the guy played at Vanderbilt and was a top 25-ranked player in high school for a long time, but, you know, he was able to step on the football field and get scholarships when we were in high school from Oklahoma State, Georgia, Alabama. He had all these big-name schools recruiting him after just playing one season of football, so that's my argument. That's my argument, but Bringing this full circle, it reminds me that this is the best time of the year. March Madness, baby. Get those brackets filled out. This, I mean, I, this, oh, you guys can hear how fired up I get about March Madness. March Madness is easily my favorite time of the year. When I was younger, my dad used to always take us to the Final Fours, the championships. We would go to Elite Eight, Sweet 16 games. Anytime it was in Atlanta, my dad and I were there. And it was, guys, it was the best time I, I remember. And my birthday is actually at the very end of the month, March 31st. And the final four national championships sometimes would fall on that weekend. And those were the best birthday presents. So dad, thank you for those best memories. I mean, for those amazing times, because I, I still look at, back at them now and I'm like, March Madness gets me hype. 
So back to it, guys. Uh, we're going to get into this interview. I have one hell of a guest for you today. Now, this girl, shoot, I don't even know where to start with Simone. I mean, I met her in college. She was probably one of the goofiest people I've met, but <laughs> she was very serious all the time. Simone always checked me, made sure I was in check. Um, she took care of me when I've been to Chicago. Shoot, I mean, there's, I could go on for days about Simone, but before I even get into this, I have to let you guys know that Simone is the CEO and owner of this amazing company called Dressdowns, and I'll have the website in the show notes, but guys, it is so dope, and I'm going to let her talk all about it because everything that she's been able to accomplish at her age, and I mean, shoot, is like a black woman entrepreneur look at her like she's doing the damn thing so simone thank you so much for coming on today how you doing i am doing great trying to stay warm here in chicago but i'm good shoot i um i couldn't imagine how cold it is in chicago right now like you were telling me earlier it's just when you have to wear a jacket all the way down to your ankles that is a no for me (laughs) (laughs) that is an absolute no for me some days i'm just wondering why but i mean when that once that spring summertime comes, then everyone's reminded. We're like, oh right, that's right. Yeah, it's it is beautiful there, and I'll be back in June. Go catch a game Ooh, in okay, uh, right. Wrigley Field. Turn up a little bit at Fremont. Uh, one of Brunch my favorite plans, places. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. We're ready. Um, but let's get let's get this interview started because I'm I'm interested to hear all about this. So we went to college together, Stetson University. Right. Go Hats. Mm-hmm. Woo woo. Go Hatters. Um, and then. And then I believe that you entered corporate America for a long time, and then you went into entrepreneurship, right? Um, yeah. Uh, so I actually went to school originally. Uh, my degree is in communications with a minor in marketing. But basically, I kind of always envisioned myself, I mean, at a PR firm, you know, working on for really big companies, coming up with campaigns. And that's kind of how I always saw my path um, going to. And I moved to Chicago I ended up working uh, PR doing um, uh, kind of for the Bulls and for the Chicago Sky. And so I was doing that for a while, and people think it's so glamorous because I was doing, you know, post-game interviews and things like that. But what people don't know is it's one of the, like, least glamorous <laughs> jobs out there. We were like, I am not a player. Like, we're like, oh, my gosh, you work for the NBA. I'm like, I'm not a player. Like, there are – I do not have cool perks at all. I'm there before the yeah. game. I'm there after the game. I am out here, like, working nonstop. Um, so I did that, and then I went on to a PR firm. I kind of got that experience. Really long nights. Right? Like, I mean, if a game, I mean, oh, if, yeah, they, I, I can't even tell you. The, the nights just went on and on because a lot of times, you know, you have to do your stats, and you have to update them, and then you have to see if that changes anything. And if someone's, like, about to hit a goal, oh, you Lord. have to be watching that. There's so many moving parts that people don't realize. Um, that goes goes on, um, but yeah, unreal. when you're working on the side of the PR, it's there's just way more to it than you could have ever imagined. Um, but yeah, yeah don't work harder than the players. Yeah. But there'd be sometimes I honestly was like, I don't want to see another ball dribble down the court. But <laughs> so I was like, maybe it's time for me to leave. <laughs> I'm sure there's someone else out there who would love this job. Um, and so then I ended up working in PR and kind of getting my hands wet in that. And I realized quickly that that was never going to get me to where I wanted to be, which was, you know, 
really okay. creating my own things and challenging myself and kind of I had the idea for dress downs and I kind of thought, okay, maybe I could do this, put put this together from my past experience and that's how I kind of landed on it. Um, but I had no intention of, I never, like my ba- my family and my friends, I don't come from a background of entrepreneurs. It's not like the thing, you know, people in our family do, yeah. like no one in my family owns businesses, you know, they work for other people, like that's what you do. Um, and so it's very, you know, I'm like one of the only people, people are like, you're the only one I know that's an entrepreneur. It's constantly being told to me because people don't go that route. Um, and for good yeah. reason. I mean, it's scary. So I'm like, I totally it understand. It is scary. And, and a lot of people do it for stability, right? Because, right. And, and I mean, it's, I mean, they call it the golden handcuffs, right? To the point where yeah. you're working for somebody else because you know that every other Friday you're going to get a paycheck. And right, when exactly. I talk to my dad, when I talk to you, when I talk to other entrepreneurs, it's like, you don't know if that, that paycheck's ever going to, like, you don't have a mm-hmm. paycheck, right? Like you're working for a business mm-hmm. and when you're building it from the ground up, it's like you said, a scary place because you, put risk into it and a lot of people don't like risk risk. and not saying that not saying that like risk is something that everybody is like like everybody can everybody has a willingness of risk right I would say right like my willingness of risk is probably a lot lower than yours is just because right your threshold yeah yeah, exactly exactly so with that being said like what made you really like take that leap of faith right where you're just like you know what like Nobody in my family's done it before. I don't really know, and or it sounds like you don't really care what they're going to say about it. What yeah, made you want no, to go and, and, just, and just jump into it? Um, I kind of thought, I like looked back at my life. I was having a mid, you know, a normal mid-26 cri- midlife <laughs> crisis. Um, and I kind of was just like examining my life. And I was like, you know, you'll never be in this position again of freedom, if that makes sense. You'll never you yeah. hear about all these entrepreneurs who are like, oh, I had like four kids, I double mortgaged the house, and I'm just like, that sounds wildly stressful. And they get so much more credit for like doing things like that because I'm like, at the end of the day, you only have to worry about yourself right now, and that is a blessing. So like you use that to your advantage. So if you're going to take a risk, you have to take that risk now because it's only the older I get, the more difficult it's going to be. There's going to be more reasons why I shouldn't do it there's not going to be more reasons why I should. I'm just going to keep talking myself out of it. Um, I had the idea for years, and I kept talking myself kind of out of it. I was moving at a very slow pace. And I will say just up, including my job, kind of catapulted me into, like, making moves because I had no other option. You know, I wasn't getting that paycheck every two weeks anymore. Like, that. that's no longer an option. You just quit your job. Even they thought it was a little rash. They were like, how about you just stay for a month? And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they were like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, like, I'm doing this. Bye. Like, let me go. And they were like, no, I think yeah. you should stay and work for us for, like, a month. And then they were like, you can work from home. <laughs> um, so even they thought I was just like, what were you doing? Um, so that kind of just was, like, my catapult. I was like, you're never going to be in a position again with this much kind of personal freedom and things that aren't necessarily tying, tying you down. Um, I will say I was so naive at the beginning. Like, if like my mind like if I look back at where I used to think I would be at now it wouldn't necessarily Mm -hmm. be here I'd be a lot further but that's that's the only reason I think that because you you compare yourself to other people but when you don't compare yourself to other people you're like wow like look at what all of I've accomplished Um, because most people you know they stop with at the journal like they close their journal they're like oh I have all these ideas and then they never execute them so even the fact that I have my product and like 
a retail chain to me, like, you know, that's mind-blowing. And, you know, one day I'm going to step back and really appreciate that. But for now, it just seems like, you know, I'm like, all right, you got to get the next one, like bigger and better and bolder. So. Yeah, no, totally. And I think, you know, you said a couple of things in there, which I, I would want to kind of touch upon is the fact that, you know, as you continue to get these big accomplishments, like one, like getting into a big retail chain is huge. Like, I don't think a lot of people understand how tough it is to get into big box <laughs> retailers or like a drug retailer or a, you know, what we call yeah. mass, which is food and or um, Walmart and Target, because I mean, we yeah. celebrate at, at Nestle when any, whenever one of our salespeople are able to go get something sold in as like a new product, right? Like it's a yeah. big deal because that's, a lot of volume. That's a lot of like, I mean, honestly, like brand awareness. So many people are seeing it and yeah, it's, I remember you told not, me, I was like, sad. Work. yeah, I remember you told me once cause I was like, Oh, I want to be bigger. I didn't mean to cut you off. And you were like, are you crazy? Like at Starbucks, if we do, you know, X amount or whatever, like that's a big deal to us. So like, why aren't you? I was like, okay. Like when you put that into perspective, you know, like I'm, I'm already trying to be at the top of the mountain and I'm not really appreciating the climb yet, but you know, one day. No, of course. But that's, I mean, that's another thing too, as an entrepreneur is that you don't really have, again, the time to look back on all yeah. the stuff that you've been yeah. doing because it is always like, I got to get bigger and better and I'm trying to continue to scale and I'm trying to, you know, right. I can do better on my marketing or I can make my website right. better. Like you just completely rebranded your website yeah. last week, right? Like when we talked yeah. on the phone and what, like, when you get inspirations like that as an entrepreneur, it's like you kind of get have the freedom, like you were saying, to get to go and do it. Right. And I, I don't know. I think it's awesome. And I do want to kind of talk about one other thing, too, is just the fact that your family, right? Like nobody in your family was an entrepreneur. And no. I could only assume the different things that you were hearing back and forth. And, like, I think about my father, who is an entrepreneur, and my mom is a nurse. So a little bit mm -hmm. different than, like, working in corporate America. But my dad has always been like, hey, dude, like, chase your dreams, do what you want. Like, this is, like, it's your life. You get to take control of it and you get right. to do it. But my buddies whose parents work in corporate America and, you know, have been corporate American, um, corporate American, corporate, um, working in corporate America for their entire lives, it kind of just seems like that's the path that they're going down. And that's the path that they've always wanted to be on, which is not a bad right. thing because I've always wanted to be no. on that path, too. But, like, there are days I'm like, why did I leave that path? <laughs> But like when you were talking to your family about it, or did you like, how did that, how did that go? Right? Like, or did you not even tell them and you're just kind of like, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm embarking on it. I mean, uh, that, yeah, that's a loaded question because part of it was like, it, you know, I upped and quit my job. I called my dad. He was like, don't do that. And I was like, I'm doing it. It's actually done. I'm just calling to tell you. Um, yeah. But my family, I love them. They weren't as supportive as like you, you hear about other families of like, you know, you got a small loan of a million dollars just so you could pursue your dreams. Oh or I think there's yeah. a guy of like, you know, like the guy who started Freshy, really young guy, you know, hearing about being an entrepreneur, you hear about other entrepreneurs' stories and it'll motivate you. The guy who started yeah. Freshy, his parents gave him like a quarter million dollars. Like, I'm like, of course you're going to be <laughs> successful if you have like six figures, like, duh. Um, and yeah. when I told my parents, that was not because they have never, they've never known someone, I'm not going to say it's known anyone entrepreneur, but very much of their inner circle is corporate America. Like that is, that's yeah. it. Like my dad worked for NASA. My mom worked for um, Quaker Oats, like Gatorade. Yeah. Like that's the life, like that's the life that 
um, they know. And so they were as supportive as they could be. Uh, I mean, I feel like a lot of times they had to step into the gap because I made, made such a like, imp- like impulsive decision. But now yeah. I would say we're uh, probably like, I'm two years out. I just got into Bed Bath and & Beyond. And now I think they see like, I mean, I could have, I should have quit a long time ago. And I, I should have, I, there's a hump that you get to as an entrepreneur. They talk about where you're like, you're hitting a wall. And I think that's when a lot of people turn back and they're like, okay, you know what? I've been doing this for X amount of months. There's no traction. It just feels like I'm moving still, still, but I'm constantly yeah. still working. Um, I got to that point and I got over it. And now we're on the other side and my parents can kind of see that like determination that I've been like going through for two years because at the end of the day, I, you know, I love them, but I know they wanted me to quit. Um, and so, you know, your parents love you. They want the best for you. But thank God I didn't listen to them because I wouldn't be yeah. where I am now. But, it was, I oh, mean, they just wanted oh, the best for me as in a paycheck, guaranteed paycheck every two weeks. <laughs> like, not to worry about, you know, things that I now worry about because your mindset completely changes as an entrepreneur going from like working from someone else to being the boss your mindset every day is completely shifted um i could so, yeah. i could only imagine that's, oh yeah i mean that's cool and like you know i want to touch on the mindset right there that you were just talking about the whole switching from going from corporate america to entrepreneur but i also want to talk about that block that you talked about with like that hump and how you got over that because like you were saying, a lot of a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs, when they get to that hump, they're like, you know what? It's a lot easier if I just turn back around and go back and collect my paycheck. I've been doing this way yeah. too long, and I, I mean, it's not sustainable. And and like you were saying, there are entrepreneurs out there who are like, I double mortgage my house. Like they have right. added pressures on top of that, where they're right. like, you know what? Shoot, like I got to turn back around because mm-hmm. I got a family that I got to feed or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But when you were working through that hump and you were like, you know what? Like forget it. I'm going to continue to work through this adversity. I'm just going to get through this and I'm going to make it happen. Like, what was your mindset getting through that when you were like, Hey, yeah. like I'm, I got to do this. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, honestly, truly at the time, it it never feels like you're going to get over that like mental hump or break. And there were days like I woke up every day and quit dressed down. <laughs> like you just like are hitting a wall. It's like no one's responding to your emails. Like you just, you're your ads aren't running right. You're getting another error. And when I was in it, it, it never felt like there was going to be an end to it. Um, and then there were little moments that I would use, I would, like, cling to and use those as, like, glimmers of hope of just kind of, like, you keep going. Like, you have to keep going. Like, you've gotten this far. If you were going to fail, trust me, you are gonna you would have fallen on your face a long time ago. Like, this is not the time to, like, mm-hmm. quit. This is the time to dig deep. Um, and there are, like, so many examples of that, like, it's funny because people are always like, oh, are you, like, excited? Like, I mean, I am excited about, you know, your first, like, national retailer and things like that. But it, I'm like, if you knew how many mistakes I made before this, like, you know, I'm just <laughs> always aware of the mistakes I would have made or, like, we're thinking about and, like, the wall I was hitting. Um, and even the crazy story of even how I got this, you know, one of my first national retail deals was because I hit a wall so hard, this buyer was like, I'd circle back, I sent her samples, and she kept telling me no. And it's true what they say, like, no is just temporary. Like, get them to change their mind. No does not mean forever. It just means not right now. And I think that was, like, some of the best advice I've ever gotten in remembering that when I hit my wall was that no is only temporary, you know. Um, And I was hitting a wall. 
this buyer kept rejecting me. I had circled back months later. She basically gave me like a huge insult, you know, and saying no. And I was so heated that I typed an email. I edited it, of course. You never, you can write angry, yep. don't edit angry. You got to like sober judgment. And I sent it to the VP, and I was like, hey, like, this is why she's wrong, X, Y, and Z. I didn't say her name. And I was like, this is why this works, yada, yada, yada. And he was like, what? Like, this is great, but who are you? How'd you get my email? <laughs> he was like, what? <laughs> um, but basically, I had to hit a wall, and that wall led me, literally the other side was me getting a deal. He was like, oh, no, I love this idea. Like, let's bring it on. So That's amazing. But that, Yeah, it's crazy. But it literally came from being rejected. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, I hope that helps. Like, it, it does. I mean, it's like pressure either busts pipes or makes diamonds, right? right? Or that's true. And another way to say it, it's like you, in the face of adversity, you could either break through the wall, like you did, where you were like, you know what, like I'm pissed off, but I'm gonna make this happen. Like, if this girl's not yeah. gonna take, or this girl or guy, whatever the buyer was, if they're not gonna take my damn uh, product, I'm gonna talk to the VP because I know and I believe in this for a fact, yeah. right? And right. that's what I think is so impressive is that a lot of people would hear no, hear no, hear no, hear no, hear no, and they're going to go, man, I, I'm so done with hearing no. I'm just going right. to go turn back around. And you were just like, I am so heated right now. I have to send this. Like, <laughs> I can see you right now at your computer typing it out and then being like, oh, I'm not putting anybody in, like... the, in the two right now, <laughs> and I'm just going to make sure that when I edit this in an hour and a half, I'm, right. <laughs> it looks okay, and then I'll send it off. And that's I had I one of our impressive. mutual friends edit it. I was like, "Hey, Rita, she knew the situation. I had been talking about being so heated. She's like, what's the, what's the worst thing I can do? Like, not respond?'" And when he responded, my jaw was on the floor. I was like, "I was scared to open it." And he was actually very kind. Um, that's amazing. But yeah, I would I would definitely say for me, getting past that wall was hanging on to like like little glimmers of hope and they can come in so many different forms and they did. I just had to realize that like, that's your push. Like there would be little things. It would be like, yeah. you know, um, it could be like lively, this awesome brand called lively who is like way bigger than me. Um, they're like, Hey, like, do you, um, do you want to be like, you know, are one of our, like, uh, am not ambassadors. That's not the word. They're like, do you want to partner with us? Like a brand partnership? And I was like, who are like, are you talking about me? Like, you're such a huge company. Why would you want to work with me and interview me? Like, you know, just these intimidating companies who are like approach you and are like, hey, like we see you out there, you're hustling, and you just have to like hold on to those glimmers of hope because they were once where you were, even though it doesn't feel like that. I mean, everyone yeah. was once a nobody, as wild as that seems. Yeah, no, that's that's true. And like you were saying earlier, you switch your mindset when you go from corporate America to entrepreneur, right? And the right. way that I'm thinking about it is that when you're, at least where I'm at in corporate America, I think I'm a little bit more hesitant because of the fact that I'm learning from people who have been doing it for a very right. long time and they get things a lot quicker and they understand the acronyms and everything that goes on from yeah. like a corporate business sense. You know, And you get what I'm saying, yeah. right? But mm -hmm. when I think about like even just doing the millennial way, when I talk to people, it's a completely different mindset for me. Like, I'm like, yo, this is mine and this is how right. we're going to do it. And right. I, you know, would love to have you on or whatever it may be, but it's a lot more confidence for me, but I'd love to hear mm -hmm. from you where it's like when you went from working in PR to then switch, switching out and becoming an entrepreneur, what was that mindset like, like you were talking about earlier? 
So for the PR side, I will say I kind of had that advantage, and I kind of, like, knew to use that to my advantage of, like, I know how to, you know, write um, – you know, an intro and things like that. I think a lot of people, they're like, well, how do you, how did you get on BuzzFeed? Or like, how did you get on InStyle? And I was like, I wrote a really killer email. Like, you know, you, like people yeah. don't think that, but like, you know, they need content. And so for me, I was like, okay, my background on PR, I know how to send the pitch. But when it came to, and when you're pitching, you know, people don't need to know, like, they want to know the story. They don't need to know if you're backed by a huge company. I mean, if yeah. that's one of your talking points, that's great for you. That was not mine. Um, but when it came to the business, not having the backing of a big company, I didn't realize would be such a hindrance because once people mm-hmm. realize like, oh, it's just you, like people ask me all the time, they're like, wait, it's just you. And they either see it as a wonderful thing and amazing and their minds blown, or they see it as a huge like pass. Um, I yeah. know like one company I had approached, they they were like, you know, it's just you. How do we know you can do this? And I had to go into my whole background because um, about the job that I was talking about that I quit for was actually um, a promotional products company. So we manufactured, like, the children's cereal um, toys, like you get in the box, or, like, Happy yeah, Meal toys. So we made mm-hmm. those toys. And so I had this whole wealth of knowledge of how, you know, what's DDP, what's FOB, like, for people that aren't in the industry that would go over their head. But for me, I was like, no, 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 I can do this. And they're like, oh, well, yeah. oh, maybe that, okay, maybe we could work work with that. But I had to get to that point of them basically being like, no, we don't know if you, your small company can produce. Because they're they're taking a huge risk. Because they, they probably have countless entrepreneurs, you know, trying to buy for Walmart and Target who have no idea what they're doing and, you know, and they're about to cut you yeah. a check and then you don't produce the product and then their shelf is empty and they look stupid. So, well, and then they find when, you or do something. Right. And they find you. Stupid. Right. Um, and stuff like that happens. They send charge back. So like if you deliver late, like there's so many aspects, aspects that people don't realize that go into the business side that if you're by oh, yourself yeah. is a huge turnoff, but if you have the backing of a huge company, so, you know, my best bet is, you know, partnering with bigger companies or, you know, talking about my expertise and when I used to work for a manufacturer. So it's things like that that kind of helped me and the business aspect of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, does that answer your question? But, yeah, uh, switching from my mindset had to completely change when it became my own company I was representing because, I mean, I determine everything. So I don't have to go to anyone to yeah. talk about decisions. I make the decision, which is really nice. Yeah. I, oh, I believe it. I believe it. And one thing, like, I think is interesting, too, is when I worked on Tivana, I was lucky enough to get to, like, run a digital sweepstakes. And it wasn't my idea to actually partner with somebody who was my managers, but we ended up running with it. And we partnered with a very, very, very small startup company uh, called Pack Up and Go. And they do these mm-hmm. really cool um, – what are they vacations where you basically like submit or buy like a gift card for like 200, 300, 400, 500 dollars, whatever it may be. And then they actually send you on a vacation on like the weekend that you oh, pick wow. and you have no idea where you're going until like oh, the, the morning yeah, yeah. or the day before. And it's a, it's a great story, right? It fit in right, right with like our millennial target that we were going after and all this stuff like that. But when we were like looking for different brands to partner with, my manager was so impressed with the fact that it, like it was only this one girl and her other guy, and her like this this guy that w- was yep. working on the business that was what drove us to actually get to them. But having to manage that like myself was difficult because they were very 
emotional about everything. And yeah, you could tell with sure. our, our conversations over the phone, you could tell over email that sometimes, like, if we would piss them off for whatever reason, we were late to getting them the data or we just didn't, like, want to release a couple things and we had things mm-hmm. that, were in the, that weren't in a contract that we didn't have right. to provide to them. And they were getting, like, so worked up about it that it was, um, it was just really crazy. And, and I just remember. Yeah, then you're like, like oh, I wish with, it was a bigger company because then I wouldn't be derailing. It wouldn't be as personal if you were talking to, like, you know, the account executive, not the CEO. Exactly, exactly, because the CEO cares about everything, but the account executive right. only really, truly cares if you give me right. enough to, to get by. Right. <laughs> I, if I exactly. have enough to make my superiors happy, then that's all that matters. Um, right. But I think that's, like, it was just a cool experience for me working in a big corporation and now hearing you how it is on the on the other side. It's completely different, right? Like, and you have... Oh these added pressures and I can only imagine like what a Walmart would, would ask for just one in the amount of volume that you, that you would have to provide to them to keep this uh, shelf stocked. And then too, like if you ever go on like a rollback, like people don't even realize that that increases your volume by so much whenever you put your uh, product on sale, it's like, and then having to service all those different retailers, it's, it's ridiculous. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, but I'm ready. That's what I tell people. I'm like, the day they're like, hey, okay, I've talked to Walmart. It's so funny. Those corporations are so big that the thing about dress downs is, okay, if you create something from scratch, if I say I made a water bottle, it would be so easy to categorize me, right? You'd be like, okay, duh, you're in the cup section. There's no question yeah. where your products would go. You create something brand new that no one's ever created before. They're like, oh, maybe you're an intimate because it's something where under your clothes. But then they'll be like, oh, maybe you're in accessories because, like, woman, oh, but maybe you're in dresses. So I've talked to, like, five different heads. And I don't mean, like, oh, like, the account executive. I mean, like, the vice president of, you know, merchandising of Walmart. And they're like, yeah, uh, maybe them, maybe them. I'm like, all right, one day we're going to figure this out. Um, But, yeah, the latest one, they just told me impulse purchase. Yeah. and hopefully Amazon will realize that and give me my own little category notes soon. So we'll see. That'd be sweet. That'd be uh, sweet. And speaking of like know. the Amazons and all of those, those uh, different retailers that you're getting into, I think it's so cool that the Royals in Great Britain rock dress downs and you've been able to do so <laughs> yeah. many cool things. I, I mean, shoot, like that picture that you have of Gabrielle Union is still – like it brings envy to me so quickly. I see that picture and I'm always like, she's like, look at Simone um, and Gabrielle laughing together. How was that experience? Like, that- um, correction, the Royals did not buy dress downs one day. They so wait. So like one of the inspirations was oh, that the queen, well, oh, dude, I'm telling you. So there's a whole reason why the Royals don't promote like what they're wearing or who they're wearing because once they do like sales, it's crazy. But if they wore dress downs, trust me, you would know. Um, I would be, like, on my yacht in, like, Bermuda or somewhere. I'd be like, oh, yeah, the Royals buy dress downs. Peace out. I sold the company. Um, <laughs> but they actually have personal seamstress that uh, seamstress that so weights into the hem of their dresses to keep them from having those, like, Maryland moments. So a lot of the times... Yeah. Um, people use like show that hack and then they show dress downs like the more practical approach because who has the personal seamstress yeah. and the answer is no one. I barely have yeah, a me. laundry person, right? Like maybe a tailor, <laughs> but not a personal 
Taylor, just like someone you're like, oh, that there's a Taylor, I'm gonna go to them. Um, yeah, exactly. But so that I mean that's cool. Uh, I'm opening the UK market, which is exciting. Every time um, I've been back ordered since November, which is every uh, entrepreneur's worst nightmare when you're selling inventory because people are just waiting, waiting, waiting. And even though you're selling, you're like, okay, these people are eventually going to be, like, unhappy or ask for their money back. But nothing too crazy. Um, But I'm opening the U.K. market, which is really exciting. But every time I see an order from a different part of the world, it just – that's kind of how I say, like, get over that hump. Because even if it's, like, one order one day and it's just for a woman in India, like, I've – I've shipped dress downs to India. Like, that is wild. And, like, people don't realize, like, the market for it. Like, it's easy to think or, like, write off, like, okay, like, it's a fashion-fixed woman. But what people don't realize is that there are, like, multi-billion dollar companies built on the things that women, just women specifically, like, to fix little wardrobe packs. Um, For example, you have, like, fashion tape, which, I mean, this is probably going over your head. But, like, a company, a woman, like, you know, 20 years ago was, like, oh, we should make tape for women's tops so that they don't, like, mm-hmm. fall open when you're, like, you know, when they're, like, gaping. That is, like, a multi-million tape. All she did was make tape and put the word fashion in front of it and made it, like, yep. medically grade safe for your skin. So something <laughs> so simple like that, like, and then I have orders from India, but then, you know, three years ago, a company, they are like, oh, we don't know if there's a market for it when I was, like, in the pre-production stage. They basically told yeah. me no. They were like, no, we don't think there's a market thing. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to prove you wrong. I don't know when and I'm, I don't know how, but I will one day. Um, yeah. I, and now I, mean, I am. I mean, you did. I mean, they took their – the company that told me no, this is well, the company that told me no, um, they took one of their items off their shelf to put my product in. And I was like <laughs> – I was like, well, I guess I was right. <laughs> I guess there is a market. Exactly. So. Mic drop right there. That's yeah, it, it felt that's, like a mic drop. I mean, that's amazing. And you're when you send, you know, items over across the, the pond and they go over anywhere in Europe or Asia or Africa, like, you're basically, that's going to get around word of mouth at somewhere because someone's going to be like, wait, what do, you, what do you have on your address? And I just right. think it's so cool because you're getting free marketing out of it because somebody – somewhere else in the world was able to hear it. And, like, I'm excited to see you continue to flourish as you have because every time I see you on Twitter or every time you text me or I see you again, it's always, like, you have more big news. And I'm just – I'm like, shoot, like, Simone is killing it. <laughs> I can't wait to get to that point when people are like, dang it, I should have invested. And I'm like, you have plenty of time. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Like, you're too late now. Now you cannot afford to get a piece of the company. <laughs> Oh, and I also, I will not give you a piece of the company. <laughs> right, and that's, that's but, the other layer of, like, no, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I don't need your money no more. Um, right, exactly. This, this, was, um, this was great, Simone. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. Yeah, thanks talking for having about me. Downs. Oh, of course, of course. And I hope you had as much fun as I did doing this. I mean, I had a blast, <laughs> really. But, guys... Go and check out Dress Downs. Go to your local Bed Bath & Beyond. It's in 5,000 stores nationwide, I believe so. And go to dressdowns.com. Go check out her website. It's amazing. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at underscore millennial way. And check us out on Facebook at 
facebook.com slash itsmillennialtalk. Y'all, we also have a new website coming underway. I've been hard at work, rebuilt the entire website, and we got it coming soon. Check us out. It's coming. It's about to be clean. And don't forget the one task and challenge that I ask you guys to do. Do one thing nice for somebody today, this week. Make their day. Make them smile. I promise it will make a huge difference in their day. Have a fantastic day, y'all. Thanks for tuning in. And don't forget to follow our blog at itsmillennialtalk.com. Follow us on social media at underscore millennial way on Instagram and Twitter.